With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. And now we have come to the end. It's a, uh, a sad day, uh, not only for Roger Federer fans, but myself. I am Ed McGrogan here with the final Across the Podcast, your audio review of all things at the All England Club. Uh, so want to get in touch, of course, one more time after both the men's and women's finals. We've just uh, about an hour or so ago witnessed Novak Djokovic winning Grand Slam title number nine, denying Roger Federer his 18th Grand Slam title, and successfully defending his Wimbledon title. The day before, we watched another match of historic import, even more so with Serena Williams completing her second Serena Slam, the tour around the Grand Slams in which she goes unbeaten. Uh, wins her 28th consecutive match at a major over Garbine Muguruza. Um, straight sets, but it is a lot more than that, as anybody who saw the match could tell you. And so both world number ones on each tour wins Wimbledon. It once again kind of ties back to what I've always said about this tournament, is it really, is it really defines most of all among above any other tournament who is really in charge on both tours and we definitely see that with both results here on the men's and on the women's side serena you know we knew that coming in it was her match to lose it was her tournament to lose uh it 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 got hairy for sure because when you go up five to one in the second set double break of course and then are faced returning at four five that can challenge anyone, including a 20-time Grand Slam champion, the undisputed world number one, you know, a veteran favorite, goes on and on and on. But the thing with uh, Muguruza was she, you know, she she dug herself such a big hole going down double break. And even though she was able to get out of of that hole just about all the way, she, she breaks Serena twice she holds in between none of all those games super pressure packed you know of course serena arguably is facing more pressure trying to serve it out with what's on the line but but muguruza still was unable to get back to level terms because of that service came that was on her racket of course at 4 at 4-5 and that's always something to to consider when you're serving quote from behind in the in a set and it came to bear there that in spite of all the ground that Serena had lost with her lead 
almost evaporated. She still had that one final opportunity to make amends, to kind of wipe it from memory. And truthfully, that's what's going to happen after this weekend, is no one is going to remember that she should have won this match 6-1 in the second and a blowout. And that's the way it, it was heading after a very good start from Muguruza in her first Grand Slam final. She showed... She showed the you know the reason why she was there to begin with. She showed elements of how she beat Serena at the French Open the year before, and she just was unable to keep it up for a couple reasons. I mean, obviously there is her own I think nerves of kind of seeing or really realizing where she's at uh, in terms of you know the match she's in, the situation she is facing with a set lead, you know, not that far down the road if she can just hold serve a couple times. And but of course more of it goes to Serena and and justifiably so. She really brought herself up um, to another level to break out the cliche one more time. You know, it, we are this is the last across the podcast of course we can do that. Uh, Steve Tegner made a great observation, a great point about a particular point, which I noticed too in that match, was in that it's how he leads his review of the match is is with a forehand that Serena hits that seemed to seem to in an instant kind of change the tenor of the match. And I think you can you can sense that if you're any kind of a, a tennis fan that's watched a lot of matches. That's the strange thing about this sport is that for all of the points that are played, there is just so many points. After a match, it's hard to even remember singular ones because of how just the volume that we're talking about and how it just all aggregates on top one on top of the other to determine a winner. But you can tell sort of when they happen a big turning point. And that's certainly what that was. Um, it kind of signaled that Serena had kind of found her her shots a little more and was kind of ready to really give Muguruza the challenge that that we all expected. And in the last podcast I you know I said that it would be very surprising if Serena didn't win not only the match but the first set and that's what happened. I I think even getting that one set from Muguruza was going to be a challenge and if she was going to do it, I felt like it was the second set where Serena was facing more of the pressure being in the lead. And that's really kind of how it turned out just about is that Serena does go on to take that first set. Muguruza can't take that big initial step and kind of really plant a seed of serious doubt in anyone's mind that this match will be anything other than Williams's. And Serena, you know, as has been the case for just about all of her Grand Slam matches of importance over the past month and a half, going back to Paris, you know, she faces a patch of resistance and just digs her way out of it, um, even when it looks pretty bad at times. I mean, surrendering that lead from 5-1 down to 4-5 was just an you know, a cover your eyes bad sequence of errors, you know, nothing that you would ever, if you looked at it in a vacuum and said, you know, that's a 21-time Grand Slam champion who's kind of losing, 
you know, 90% of the points over like a 10-minute stretch with some really unsightly errors. But that's how Serena has played over the past five or six years of her career, even when she has won buckets of, of titles like she's doing now, it's always been kind of this this uh, transformation at times from an unbeatable force to someone who is as vulnerable as seemingly can be. But inevitably, almost every time, this is so, it's sort of like a movie script that inevitably it always turns out well in the end for her, and it's it's because of you know not only the physical strength but the mental strength and she manages to get it done once again wins Wimbledon for the sixth time wins her 21st slam wins four majors in a row and she goes into New York into the US Open with a chance at tennis's holy grail the calendar year the official grand slam and um, it's it almost doesn't even to me it on the women's tour it's it's almost like what what does matter from now until flushing meadows because someone like a sharapova or a kvitova could seemingly sweep the important summer events serena could look you know dead to rights again in those events and it wouldn't matter because you would be picking serena to win the title in flushing meadows and and to serena's credit I expect her to come out and play those events. She always does, um, especially lately. It's it's more the latter part of her career that she has been really showing more of a willingness to, to play and embrace the tour-level events. Um, and not even just Canada and Cincinnati. I, you know, she always plays Stanford. I, I think she probably probably will as well. I haven't heard otherwise, but... Um, but it's a it's a matter of it's a, and I think she's going to treat those events as she treats every event nowadays where it is it's like a life or death situation is how she plays tennis and 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 perhaps that's why she has fared so well is because she treats the match like it is a life or death situation she treats it like a fan treats it watching it and when you see what the stakes are and what it means to her, you can kind of relate if you are one of the many hardcore sports fans. It doesn't matter what sport you follow. To me, it's like if I'm watching the Rangers in hockey, that's kind of how she treats a match at a slam. And you want your favorite athletes and your favorite players to treat these matches with that importance. And um, And maybe that's what it boils down to with Serena is that she simply just wants it more than anyone else, and that's clear because the chasm between her and the rest of the tour has never been larger. It only widened after Wimbledon. Um, it'll be a big, be a big uh, surprise if she does not win it all in New York, and uh, it's going to be something to watch. We'll have a little bit of a break in between, you know, from here until now. It's a good just about two full months because the Open starts pretty late this year, the last weekend of Ju- of August, last Monday of August, excuse me. And uh, that's where we kind of leave the WT at the moment. I mean, for Muguruza, um, maybe it would be a good time to see how she backs, how she kind of follows up on this during the summer stretch of her own. Um, she's, you know, seems like really, you know, a great all-surface player, Um 
Her biggest results, of course, have come on clay and on grass now, but uh, her on hard courts, there's no reason that game can't get it done on that surface too. And maybe that's one of the big things I'm going to look for this summer for the WTA is how Muguruza plays after her Wimbledon run. She's going to be seated pretty highly. I, I have a feeling she's, I didn't check the rankings, but I would be sort of I would be surprised if she isn't in the top 10. So, you know, a lot more attention, of course, better ranking, um, better seatings at these tournaments. So I think seeing how she follows up on this could be um, worth our time too. So, that's where we leave Serena and Muguruza. Both of them, obviously, great Wimbledons. They both very it's a very happy ceremony all around. Truth, I think you know it was a day that neither of those two will forget, and I think that both, of course, look back on it pretty fondly. Oddest ending to a Grand Slam final, by the way, of all time. Um, yeah, a shot of Muguruza that was that was clearly out. It wasn't even a, a disputed call. It wasn't challenged or anything, but there was just a a delay in sort of acknowledging game, set, match Serena. And I don't know if that gets put on the chair umpire or on someone else, but just a strange sort of anticlimactic ending to the match. Fortunately, we've seen that, unfortunately, we've seen that a couple times at Wimbledon recently. You also had, when Federer won in 2012, um, you know, you had the Hawkeye call, uh, always the thing I've, I've I've sort of dreaded the most when it comes to that is having a match wait on a decision of a of the replay. So yeah, maybe that's a good segue, in fact, into the men's Wimbledon uh, final. Roger, you know, unlike 2012, does not get to celebrate at the end. Um, you know, for the second straight year, he goes down to Djokovic. This one in four sets. 7-6-1, 7-6-10, 6-4-6-3. And it's, uh, it's a tough one for Roger for sure because of the, you know, the way he played against Murray in the semis, which was lauded and rightfully so by anybody who watched that. It was just a, you know, a pinnacle performance for him. Uh, did not have that consistency and ability in this match certainly in the last two sets but really throughout you know the first two sets were 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 definitely a tough grind for for Federer even though he gets out of them with a split um, you know the first set Federer has two set points now they're both on when returning and you know when you look back at this match you kind of forget that because of how well Djokovic played overall, but you can you you can think back to those two set points that Djokovic saves with big serves, and really kind of say that's the key to this whole match because for as well as Djokovic is well, as well as he returned, he returned amazingly. Um, some of the best returns we've seen, especially in a fast court like this, um, as well as he was off the ground. Uh, this was a great baseline performance from Djokovic, where we, you know, we saw all the angles, all the depth, all the power, the placement, the retrieving. It was, you know, really just great stuff from him along the ground. But he served, he served impeccably on at Wimbledon on center court, and 
that made his service games, you know, so challenging for Federer that in the last two sets of the match, he almost had he almost gave no openings to Federer. Uh, there was tremendous pressure on Federer's to hold not only because just you know because Djokovic was doing it so routinely on his serve. Um, for as much as we as we see nerves play a part in even the greatest players closing matches out, like Serena, for example, and Djokovic, la, you know, last year at Wimbledon and many other times, it doesn't matter who it is or where it is, it's they always they always kind of rear their head. Djokovic had no trouble putting this away in the end, and um, you know he breaks Federer to do it with a forehand winner to end it all, but. It didn't seem like even if Federer pushed Djokovic to hold serve at 5-4 that it was going to make too much of a difference because um, Djokovic was hitting the wide serve beautifully. He was serving aces. He was out acing Federer for portions of this match. Um, And just, you know, targeting the backhand, all the things that you would expect that you'd have to do to beat Federer at Wimbledon. Djokovic did those perfectly on Sunday. Um, it was a performance that also kind of one thing it really caught my attention was it made me think back to how well Stan Wawrinka played at Roland Garros to beat Djokovic. And some people on Twitter when I put that out there said you know it kind of goes both ways that Djokovic wasn't bringing this aggressive mentality he wasn't kind of applying that pressure. But I say, you know, in part that's because of the pressure that Stan was able to summon and put on Djokovic in Paris. And, you know, Federer certainly wasn't consistent enough to do that. He I, he was hitting, I thought he was hitting the ball, I thought he was hitting the ball well on all sides. It's just, um, you know, so many balls in the net and... You know that he, I get. You know he had to play that way given the sort of uh, the level that Djokovic was at. I mean, he said so himself after this match in the encore interview that you know this was this was a great showing from Djokovic and it was going to be hard for anybody to beat him. Period. And Roger made no bones about that. Um, I think he realized simply that Djokovic was just too good on this day. Um, you know, it was it was just a it was a an enduring struggle to get the one set. That was in the second set where Federer saved seven set points total, six of them in a tiebreaker that he ends up winning 12 to 10. So if you, if you want to take something away from this woman for Federer fans, it's, you know, think back to obviously the match against Murray. Murray ends up holding that epic game. Federer then holds it love and takes a match from there. You know, this match, that tiebreaker is a great one. The battle of 12-10, I'll call it, because, um, you know, Djokovic goes up 6-3, to three, Federer saves three set points, and you you probably at that stage saw the best overall tennis of the whole match, you know, right there. Djokovic really just kind of furious with himself for letting those chances slip by. You can't blame him for that because you really... Even when, even with Federer winning that tiebreaker, you knew it was going to be still an uphill struggle. But it was, it was startling at how quickly 
the terms of the match sort of reverted right back to Djokovic, and he does so with a break right away in the third. There's a minor rain delay. The roof doesn't get closed, which I which I was happy to see. I, you don't really like to see the roof um, closed at all on center court at Wimbledon. It just doesn't just doesn't seem right, especially for a final. Um, and Djokovic really just from that point on kind of holds better at bay and does exactly what he needs to do to to win the match and uh and that's kind of what it you know what it comes down to and you know Djokovic now with nine slams he he moves up the list he passes I know some some all-time greats along the way in doing so pretty close to number 10 he could do that in New York I mean he I'm sure he'd love to get a even if it takes him to get to Paris to do it because I could finally get that off his back but you know we're seeing simply put yet another a third all-time great player within the past few years within the past decade we're seeing three of the greatest men's tennis players of all time and it's just it's a treat to watch uh, if you're any kind of fan of the sport, especially if you appreciate you know the history of the sport and have seen when tennis hasn't been at its high on uh, you know on one tour or the other. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing whoever wants to pen the first great you know masterwork about this golden era of the game because it's going to be hard to put into words. There's so many good matches. You know, I was on Twitter. I was rattling down the you know just the Wimbledon men's finals since 07 and you think back to those you have Federer over Nadal in five you know Rafa turns the table in probably the greatest match ever in 2008 you know next year Federer comes back beats Roddick 16-14 in a fifth you have three years of these of Djokovic Federer and Nadal winning a title all in their own significant way not like classic matches but big you know big results yeah then you get to 2013 you have Murray ending the drought 77 years at at Wimbledon for a British men's player last year you had this Djokovic Federer five-setter that was a great one this year you have another nice match between the two I, I thought you know after the second set you I thought depending on where the match went from that point it could have been talked about in those very reverent terms of really some of the best matches we've seen. It didn't turn out that way. It did, you know, kind of, that was certainly the climax was the second set. Um, But you just get another great showing from this elite, uber elite tier of players. Um, And for Djokovic, I'm just, I am curious to see where, how far he ends up taking this because he he just turned 28. Um, you know, we Djokovic just, in spite of all this, he is a tough guy to figure out because he still is only he still is just now nine and eight in Grand Slam finals. It's not like a Federer or Nadal record in finals where if he gets there, you can pretty much you know there's a good bet at least that he wins it. You know, Federer goes now down to, I believe, 17 and 9 in slam final. So it's, you know, it's certainly not as if Federer is uh, losing any luster history. I mean, just to make it this far at 33, soon to be 34 by the U.S. Open is, you know, just uh, something in and of itself. But for Djokovic, 
you know, he's at a time clearly where he is the top dog on tour. Um, he, just like Serena, he's got to be the favorite at the U.S. Open uh, to win three slams this year. And, you know, definitely he's definitely capable of challenging his 2011 season, which I, I don't think anybody thought he was going to do after that. 2011, he finished 67-4 and four with three slams. And he is, you know, on pace to do better than that, I believe, if, you know, with the extreme caveat being that he would have to win the Open. But, you know, if he was to do that and get to the end of the year with 10 slams, um, boy, just, you know, what more can you say about these players? And and they're still doing it. And this was, you know, in spite of last year where we saw two sort of surprise winners at the slams in Wawrinka and Chilich. Stan, of course, with some staying power, takes the French Open this year. Um, it's uh, it's a great time to follow the game on both tours, that's for sure. It's a great time for tennis fans. There is, uh, I don't think there's any dispute in that, no matter who you follow, no matter what you thought of the Wimbledon finals, it's uh, it's a good time. And that's my, uh, my belated applause of the day will go to tennis. Tennis gets the applause of the day, the final one on the Across the Podcast. Um, we're definitely going to do this again at the Open, the U.S. Open for sure. I'll be there you know, pretty much every one of the days because it's, it's, it's local for us here at Tennis Magazine and Tennis.com. Uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed these because it, it gives me some flexibility, some freedom. You know, I got the got the edit responsibilities. It's tough to to sit down and and craft, you know, that wonder piece like Steve can do. Not that I can do him any justice, but it's uh it's easier and I, it gives some quick reaction to do it on a podcast and put it through a different medium through iTunes, through SoundCloud that we're doing here. So um I, I've been happy with this with this uh, choice of communication here over the past, over the fortnight. So um, definitely thank all of you for tuning in and for your kind words on the Across the Podcast. It will have to be named something differently, of course. Um, you know, Welcome to the Concrete Jungle or something. We'll have GNR uh, playing the intro. Uh, we probably can't afford that. But you can you can only hope. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll talk to uh, get Axel Rose to sponsor or something. So... Until then, and until our further podcast where Steve and I will reconvene over the summer at a certain point, we hope you enjoyed Wimbledon and all the Wimbledon coverage on Tennis.com and hope you keep coming back for more. This is Ed McGrogan for the Across the Podcast, signing off. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.